Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Grassroots Government Podcast produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. I'm Avery Davidson. Uh, You're used to hearing me on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network and seeing me as co-host alongside Kristen Oaks uh, uh, White on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, although... You probably don't see me much because Kristen Oaks White is standing right there next to me. Uh, joining me now is Carl Wiggers, who is the co-producer of This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, but also produced all of our podcasts here at the Louisiana Farm Bureau. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I don't know if you have ever heard any of our other podcasts, but that's my favorite word is podcasts. And mm-hmm. most of my answers to things is, well, I heard it on a podcast and I like podcasts. Yep. Every other Should word. Should I say it again? You, you can try to, but... Um, podcast. You're... The reason why I brought you in here uh, is because grassroots government is your idea. This came about a few years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago, we were at a staff function where um, I, uh, I I was I was hearing all the different departments, and I was still new to Farm Bureau. I was hearing departments talking about what uh, what they're working on this you know this year, what big things are coming up for the year, and you know you heard our department, you heard commodity department, you heard. Um, you know, just member services, member benefits, things like that all being presented. But then Joe Mapes and Sandy got up and talked about what they're doing on the, uh, the legislature work and the lobbying work. And uh, we'll meet him in a second. But he's our state lobbyist. And we realized, I realized, I was like, wait a second. This is a huge member benefit, member service that we're doing all the time that we never talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really play well maybe on twyla or it you know it's just it's not as easy to talk about or glamorous because a lot of times in you know louisiana it's just all right what's what what's the what's the issue now so i just that's that's where that kind of the spark came from was with that idea yeah government and tv have a lot in common with sausage making you do not want to see how it's made and so it's not as sexy to talk about sometimes right so i found a sexy guy to talk about it (laughs) yeah and we're going to introduce you to that sexy guy right now because he is actually a professional bodybuilder now I'm talking about Joe Mapes. He is the Louisiana Farm Bureau Legislative Specialist, and I'm going to qualify that by saying Legislative Specialist is just a fancy way of saying lobbyist. Welcome to the Grassroots Government Podcast, Joe. Well, thank you, Avery and Carl, and good to be here with you two and Andy Brown today, and I'm really looking forward to this, really looking forward to this podcast because I've never done a podcast before, and um, I do hear a lot of intelligent people around me talking about podcasts and, you know that they do get a lot of their information from them. So uh, I'm hoping that we get the same type of uh, listenership here. Uh, we're going to bring on some, I think, interesting guests. I think we're going to have some very interesting topics. I know we're going to have some very interesting perspectives on those topics, correct? Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, I'll hand it back to you. Well, introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us about what you do as a lobbyist at the Louisiana State Capitol uh, for Louisiana Farm Bureau. Okay, so let's just go with what we're doing right now. And this is what my producer, Carl Wiggers, taught me when we started working together years ago. When he came up with the idea for grassroots government series, video, you know, radio, whatever we were going to do as far as communication, we started trying to figure out, what's the agenda going to be today? We're standing out in the street or under a tree or somewhere writing on each other's backs or something. One day, Carl just says, hey, why don't you just talk about what you're doing right now? Mm -hmm. And I go, wow. Okay, so that's what we started doing. And come to find out, we're usually doing quite a bit right now. Okay, so right now, we just uh, had lunch with the uh, Senate Ag chairman, 
He's newly appointed. He's the youngest uh, person to ever uh, be appointed to a chairmanship in the history of Louisiana. Uh, we're working with him naturally, legislatively. I know you asked me about legislatively, but it all ties in together. What we want to do is meet with the colonel of the state police and talk to him about some transportation issues that we have with some troopers around the state and different drivers and you know different industries. The logging industry is one good example. And we want to sit down and talk with them. And we're, we've asked uh, Senator Kathy to be our, you know, to intervene for us. And he's done that. Yes, Carl. So r- real quick, you're talking about meeting with people. Is, yes. that, is that what you do for a living as a lobbyist? Meet with people? Um, well, well, if you had to dumb it down to like a very basic thing, what is it that you do as a lobbyist? I, I, I'm, I'm, I connect dots. That's the way I look connect at dots. it. Okay? I connect dots. Um, I'm, I'm an educator. All right. And, and I'm a coach, all right, from the sidelines. And so what, what, what we've got is men and women in the political and legislative processes that want to help and support agriculture but don't know how. And so we, you know, we can't leave that education up to somebody who's not in support of agriculture because there's one or two groups like that, Avery, aren't there? Yeah, there are lots of groups that are out there who are looking to even attack agriculture. But part of what you're doing is you're that network conduit between our grassroots members and the people who are writing the laws. That's right. And there was a governor here in the state of Louisiana that said for eight years that it's not who you know, it's what you know. And the governor was wrong, wrong, wrong. It's all about who you know. If you ask me right now to do something for you. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you how my mind thinks. The first thing I'm going to think of is who do I know that can help the two of us in this situation right now. My mind doesn't start running about what's in my pocket, what's in my truck, what's on the Internet. It starts with, you know, who do I know in this industry, in this profession, somebody that specializes on this issue that can help us right now. Well, I know that I need to know someone who can help me in Washington, D.C. with national affairs. And that's when I call up the person who is sitting to your right, Joe, Andy Brown. He is the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, works in our commodity department. So he deals a lot with soybeans, rice, and a lot of the farmers directly. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be a part of this. Um, I guess the main difference from what Joe described he does on the state level and what I do is I don't spend all of my time on on national affairs issues I work whatever issues come about for the commodities I represent I coordinate uh, with our other commodity directors here at Farm Bureau but uh, I truly am just that conduit uh, for the member and our uh, congressional representatives and senators in D.C. So I don't, I don't register as a lobbyist. I don't um, necessarily play by those rules in D.C. Um, don't get involved in packs and and shuffling money around. Uh, but I just try to find the issues and find the people back at home that that might relate to and and connect those dots, connect yeah. those people. Because I'm not a uh, I'm not an oysterman. I'm not a, a rice farmer. I'm not a cotton farmer or a cattle producer. So, but thankfully, I know, uh, you know, tens of thousands of them in this state that that will answer our call and and want to have their voice heard by their representative. I heard a friend of mine say it the other day that that kind of shed some really interesting light on how Farm Bureau works. That he felt like he was three calls away from President Trump, and that. You know, you can call Ronnie Anderson, who can call Zippy Duval, who has a direct connection to 
Secretary Purdue or to President Trump. And to give our members that kind of access is what gets me excited, that, that they really do see that, that they're, by being a part of this organization, they're a little bit closer and a little bit louder and a little more heard than they would be just being out in wherever, Louisiana, that, that they want to be heard from. So that's what I'd get up to go to work every day to do is try to, to let their voice be heard. And as Joe brought up, it's a little bit of education as well. You just went on a couple of trips to D.C., one of which was with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers. Had some really good success while on that trip. Tell me a little bit about that, Andy. Yeah, that's that's where the rubber meets the road for us. Uh, I'm just the guy that knows how to navigate the tunnels under the Capitol and get from building to building. It's the members that we bring that really uh, can can make things happen for us because I had been in contact with some staffers on some different issues trying to get some uh, co-sponsorship on some bills from our members and uh, they're very busy and that doesn't mean that they're not uh, in tune with me and and what I have to say but when I can bring 11 young farmers all say in the same story in the office and see face to face the example that you're speaking of was a estate tax uh, bill trying to create some further exemptions on estate taxes. Uh, I had notified them how we felt, what our policy book said, and where we wanted them to be or if they could help us, and they were considering it. But then I bring uh, a first-generation farmer and a multi-generational farmer in there to tell their story directly that they're working hard, they pay their income taxes, they follow the law, but yet their government's going to take a huge chunk of their farm to be able to pay their taxes when their daddy dies. I mean, that's kind of a, a crazy concept. And when we just broke it down simple form, the, the education piece, uh, when you just kind of simplify things and put some faces and names and real stories together to back it up, it has a real effect. So that's what makes my job easy when I can bring those people up there to tell that story. And there are times when state issues and national issues do cross. So. Joe, if you could touch on that, I mean, there's a lot of times where federal dollars are what they're discussing at the state capitol. Well, I think a a great issue is is water issues that we just got through with the EPA, for example, where they were designating uh, navigable waters, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, It was dealt with ultimately at the federal level, but we experienced a lot of trouble at the state level in the meantime trying to figure out how much authority we had to deal with that ourselves. So uh, a lot of times in that instance, uh, we, 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 we're we working with, like Andy will be working with our congressional delegation, so they know where we are in D.C., and that'll give us comfort knowing that they're working to move forward at a higher level, and maybe we don't have to get into such big skirmishes down here in Louisiana. I think that's a good example. Well, and, and just to go off of, just Joe doesn't even know this yet, but I was on the phone with a logger this morning talking about the very issue that he was speaking of earlier uh, with the senator and the state police and the meetings they're having. So as much as we need to hear from our members, we hope that our members hear from us and know that we are working on these things. So sometimes we just have our meetings and make things happen. Um, but it, it relates back to federal policy as well, because one of the issues he discussed with me was uh, weights on interstates and how that could alleviate some of the pressure off of our state highways that we're so fired up about and could make trucking safer for logging. And there are solutions that that cross outside of state lines that go to the federal level, just like there's federal issues that trickle back down and we have to uh, work through them through our state agencies. So we work hand in hand and whether it's commodity or, or uh, elected official based, it, it all relates. 
Uh, it all relates back to our members as well, the Louisiana Farm Bureau. They are the heart and soul of, of this organization. And one of the reasons why we, we do things like this, one of the reasons why Carl Wiggers came up with the idea of grassroots government. Yeah, whenever I, we talked about this a minute ago, we were talking about uh, how it kind of started, this grassroots government started at that staff function. But really, it started the second week I was at Farm Bureau when I went to a legislative dinner that just blew my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh, there are just some Farm Bureau you know, parish presidents and board members and just active members sitting here across the table with representatives and senators that were just elected that are going to represent them in a few weeks whenever it comes time for session. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's what Farm Bureau is all about. And it came it wasn't until about six months later, eight months later, whenever me and Joe had that discussion, and I was like, we should be doing this. We should be talking about this. And it goes back to the member and, and the value that they have in being a member of Farm Bureau. And, and we've gotten a lot of positive comments about you know, the grassroots government information that we put out there. I mean, people walk up to us all over the state and say, man, y'all doing a good job. Thanks for that information. I didn't know that. I was pleased to learn that. Or, you know, education. Well, yeah, that's, I'm thankful because the same discussion Carl and I had and Avery and I have had, uh, y'all have been doing this a little while for state issues, and as we just said, uh, some of these federal issues relate just as, as well or sometimes even more. Uh, so we want to we wanna get everybody in tune with what's going on nationally, even though everybody claims that nothing's going on in the swamp. Uh, there is things that people need to know, and because of all the just political rhetoric that you see on your national news. Um, I'm glad that we can kind of break things down and get to some real issues in here and, and discuss some things that truly do affect farmers, not just elections and coronaviruses of the of the headlines, but really mm-hmm. um, things, you know, even with agencies, not just in, in Congress. I work a lot with USDA, with uh, EPA, with all those agencies that are implementing these laws you got to have it uh, implemented the way that you you wanted it written or or it falls apart. Well, let's begin this deep dive into why we're doing this now. We're recording this on uh, March 6th, Friday, um, and the session for the Louisiana legislature, it's a regular Louisiana legislative session because it's an even-numbered year. That begins on Monday, March 9th. Joe, tell us a little bit about the big issues that you see with this regular uh, le- legislative session. Sure, Avi. I've got a list of issues. Uh, all, that regard, all written right there, that handwritten. Rega- that, that, <laughs> it's actually face down. Just that regard agribusiness, and we're going to go over those in a minute. And, of course, there's one issue that's at the top of that list. But I want to set that list aside and preempt it by saying uh, the most important thing on the list is the fact that we have 53 new legislators out of 144. And a lot of people, uh, groups, institutions, whatever, associations feel that that's a challenge. Some people are overwhelmed by something, you know, a number that large, all these new personalities, you know. Uh, we see it as an opportunity because, again, we're back to education. We all know what tabula rasa means, uh, you know, blank slate. These men and women, women come to town. Some of them have nothing but a tomato plant in their district. Now, we know that they support agriculture because we can see, you know, uh, that they do when they come to the Capitol. But it's, in all seriousness, they want to support agriculture, but it gives us an opportunity to help them understand agriculture our way before uh, – some other group gets to them and educates them about about agriculture their way. So that, to me, is the most important thing. You know, we're talking about participation all the time here at Farm Bureau. 
we're great at doing it. We just got to keep that up with this new body. Now, that being said, um, I'm going to go down the list, and we'll go back to number one after I start, uh, because we're going to stay on that a while. I'm sure everybody in the room is going to have something to say about that. But you've got everything from uh, water issues, groundwater issues, drainage issues, uh, industrial hemp. They got several pieces of legislation, uh, you know, tweak the laws on that. Uh, you've got uh, uh, roads and bridges, certainly, uh, waste tire disposal, you know, occupational licenses is coming back, and, and the list goes on and on. Uh, oh, yeah, metal theft. We've got three pieces of uh, legislation, and, and, and they'll re- uh, apply to uh, uh, agricultural equipment theft. Okay. And sort of put a longer wait period for the salvage yard before they sell you know something that's obviously not a piece of junk. But anyway, so the list goes on and on. I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that a, Farm Bureau Federation is a cooperative of farmers and ranchers, and it's not just an insurance company. I make that mm-hmm. distinction at the Capitol all the time, and you would think at the Capitol they would know the difference, but we have to make that distinction all the time. Uh, so, you know, saying that, uh, we're affected by everything that business is affected by, and then everything that agriculture is affected by on top of that, and that's a lot. because So, saying that, uh, we are top agribusiness issue this year is tort reform and it's you know we're in sync with the rest of the business community across the state of Louisiana Uh, it's time to make some changes there we've got some of the highest uh, we've got I think we're the second most litigious state in the United States of America and it's because of uh, jury thresholds being too high Uh, we have a jury threshold of fifty thousand dollars to put that in perspective 75% 75% of Louisiana citizens have uh, let their, their, they don't have a right to a trial basically because they're under $50,000. Okay. So uh, if you lower this, they'll have a right to a trial. And there's people that say, oh, now that's going to clog the court systems. But guess what? People really don't want to go to the trial if they can settle. It's going to encourage settlements faster. So mm-hmm. that will actually. Uh, do the reverse of what a lot of people are out there saying. So that's just one example of what we could do. When we talk about tort reform, let's explain that to everybody. Uh, automobile insurance reform, uh, corrupt legal system reform. I mean, there's different names for it, but uh, uh, civil justice reform, you know, there's all kinds of names that you could call it. But uh, tort is the most common, and tort is a legal term, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody that doesn't know that out there. And, and, and the package of tort reform, when we speak about it, is several components. I just discussed one, and I'm not going to go into a second one before we maybe uh, talk about that one a little bit. Well, what I did want to touch on was its importance to rural residents as a whole, because I think about the logging industry. Uh, Carl, you did an interview with Trey Jingles Mm -hmm. where he talked about the high cost of insurance for logging trucks trucks they're mandated to have what a minimum of a million dollar policy yeah i don't remember that off the top of my head but i remember it being a discussion that um ultimately led to him telling a little story about a friend of his who owns a logging he's i mean he's in the logging industry the uh forestry industry and a friend of his from outside of the state that owns a a, a logging in, logging company was looking at moving into the state um you know, and they they came across the state line and started seeing constant signs saying, "We'll make the big trucks pay." And they, he said, they they went to lunch and turned around and went back home, and they 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 kind of they they just aborted plans right away, because that's not that's not good for their business. And Avery, you make a good point. We need to explain why 
It's our number one issue. Kyle McCann is famous. He's the assistant to the president, replaced Jim Monroe. Uh, for anybody that may not know that, it's just you know, shockwaves that went out there. But anyway, Kyle is famous for saying that transportation is the lifeline of the rural community in Louisiana to the mills. And so if you got a couple of logging companies, which we do have, that cannot obtain insurance, regardless of how much it you know costs, they can't, uh, they can't, they're not even being offered it in some instances. But if they can't get insurance, they can't get their, they grow a, a forest for, of trees for 40 years, and they can't get insurance to bring them to the mill. What's the point of growing trees for 40 years? Mm-hmm. There's none. Okay? So that, if anybody's listening, they don't understand why farmers would make tort reform their number one issue. is because the, the laws on the books in regard to tort in Louisiana right now are choking the business industry, and that includes agribusiness. There's, there's one company that will write log trucks insurance under our current climate in and, the state of louisiana and also so i'm the, sorry the government the laws on the books the litigation that's occurred has literally created a monopoly in you know which is something that the government is supposed to to combat has created a monopoly for these guys to where uh, just simple supply and demand they're going to run that price up to that tipping point until you know, folks can maybe stay in business, but a lot of folks can't. And you're not going to have new growth. You're not going to have these people moving into the state. You're not going to have economic development when you have uh, litigation and, and things that are restricting people from wanting to do business. Well, let's also talk about the fact that, I mean, we talk about agriculture. Some people might not think about forestry in that same vein because it's so different. It's such a it's a very different crop, a like commodity, but it is our number one industry uh, as far as agricultural commodity in the state by a long shot as far as revenue as far as acreage i mean think about when you drive up towards shreveport or through alexandria north of alexandria it's straight forest straight pine go around ruston i mean that is all timberland and it's just it takes longer to grow to the point of harvest it it, but it's the same sort of thing Mm -hmm. you plant it you nurture it and then when it's time to harvest, you got to get it to market. Yeah. As Joe said, agriculture deals with all the things that agriculture deals with, but they also are a business and they deal with all the things that a businessman or a businesswoman has to deal with. The forestry, the logging industry, our timber industry, uh, you know, grain haulers. Uh, there's other people that are dealing with truck insurance issues that's raising their costs. But for the logging industry, that's a uh, trucking is a year-round part of their operation in the grain business you get to harvest you use your trucks for a month or two maybe three cotton you haul cotton for a month or two but if you're uh cutting trees you're you're trying to do that for the most you know time in the year that you can it's a huge part of their bottom line and they try to be efficient but when you don't have any options on what you can purchase and what you're uh, to manage your costs as a business person you're stuck and that's where they're at and that's why they're fired up and that's why joe's helping carry that message well predictability is the number one most important thing to a business in any environment and there is no predictability for the future of a business in louisiana with the current laws on the books so you mentioned that the jury threshold was the first layer of the cake if you will on tort reform what are some of the other changes that uh, you think we're going to see proposed in this legislative session? Well, uh, the attorneys would like to see the prescriptive period, which is the amount of time that, you know, you're allowed to file a lawsuit increased from one to two years. And they say, and I can't disagree with them, that that would reduce 
the amount of uh, you know lawsuits as well and, and increased settlements. But certainly, you know, there's situations that I've seen that that yeah, I think that a little more time probably is warranted. Um, I'm not a legal expert. I don't know how that would work out specifically for them, but that's what they want, uh, increasing it from a one to two year period. And so that's what I hear is being discussed right now around some tables in the state. Those two things, mainly the reduction of the jury threshold from 50,000 to somewhere to 25 or 15, you know, some people say five, but I think the average conversation you're part of, it's 15. So down from 50 to 15 and then up from one to two on the prescriptive period. But there are states that have no jury threshold here in in the United States. Where do we sit in the range of of states when it comes to jury threshold? Oh, I think most of them have a zero jury threshold and 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 the ones that do have low ones somewhere around 15%. We're, the closest one to us were 243% higher than the uh, the second highest one in the nation. So, uh, and I think there, don't quote me on this, could be wrong on the numbers, but I think there's only about 15 or 20 states, probably closer to 15 in the union, in, uh, you know, across America, that uh, that have a jury threshold. And again, it's not 50,000, you know, in, in, in a lot of cases, uh, maybe 15. Maybe on the next show, Avery, we'll, we'll, I'll pull those numbers and we'll look at them specifically because that's a good question. Well, when you pull up a stat like 241%, uh, uh, I figure you're good at math, so I'll, I'll let you pull those numbers up on the next one. Let's go ahead and turn to national affairs. Andy, right now we're in the midst of the 2020 presidential run. Uh, there's probably not a whole lot going on in Congress because you got a lot of people who are are focusing on getting reelected, especially on the House side. Yeah, that's uh, that takes up a lot of focus. It keeps people back in their district and not necessarily on the floor to take votes. Um, but I will point out that this week uh, Congress moved as as swift as they've moved in as long as I can remember on a coronavirus package for eight point three billion dollars. So. They can get business done when they want to. It's just a matter of coming together on an issue that has uh, bipartisan support. Um, but, yeah, certainly uh, debates and elections and jockeying for uh, November is, is taking hold in D.C. Anything on the uh, regulatory side? Because I know that when you went to D.C. on at least one of your trips, you went over to USDA and met some of the folks who actually write the rules based on the laws passed by Congress. Yeah, so that uh, this is a good example of how Farm Bureau can work. So when we were uh, with our young farmers, we reached out to the Secretary of Ag, Sonny Perdue, to his office, set up some meetings with three different undersecretaries. We were very lucky to have three uh, highly elected officials all in the Beltway on one given morning and it can meet back to back to back but uh, two of those men were former farmers that are uh, in charge of these agencies that was eye-opening for our young farmers to experience and then one uh, is a businessman who has ag background that's now representing us worldwide on trade issues so that was really neat but why that's important uh, we built relationships that morning that was what we were there to do uh, we can get online and we can read about all those programs, but to sit in there face to face and find some common ground and to talk real, you know, what's going on on the farm was huge. And we, we've already reaped some harvest from, from that. Uh, we had contact from the secretary's office uh, that the deputy secretary, Steve Sinsky, was going to be visiting the state of Louisiana. We're super impressed, thankful, uh, grateful 
to this administration for how transparent and how open they are and how willing they are to meet with their stakeholders. So they actually contacted us, contacted me and Farm Bureau and uh, asked that we kind of rally the troops in Louisiana because they wanted to hear what's going on. They want to hear what's happening on the ground. Uh, So this week, Deputy Secretary Sinsky was in New Orleans and we got to bring, uh, I think, another thing that Farm Bureau really hangs its hat on besides just working with our membership is we also bring all of ag to the table we're the general farm or number one general farm organization in the state and in the nation and so what we were able to do is bring in a lot of our sister organizations louisiana cotton and grain forestry association uh crawfish uh producers uh usa rice i could go on but we had about a dozen groups all come to greet this official and and talk ag policy so that's that's what it's about is when you can have those relationships and uh, when they want to come and talk and and hear what what your needs are uh, it, it does a lot better when you know them and you feel like you can be candid than just writing letters and getting signatures is a lot of what I do but when you can have meetings and and talk real talk it, it makes a big difference that just happened on Wednesday tell us a little bit about what happened at that meeting some of the discussion Sure. So it was pretty much an open forum. Uh, we, we had Commissioner Strain there. We were very thankful to get on his schedule and get him. Uh, he kind of set the stage for us on some broader issues that are uh, facing a lot of commodities because we were all there uh, outside of Farm Bureau. We're representing you know, more specific commodities, but things like infrastructure, broadband, um, uh, vaccine issues, uh, animal health. There were some things that he went over that were very helpful. But then we went around the room. We had uh, a, a host of different folks that all got a chance to speak and to give their perspective of their given commodity. So it was really neat just to, to have that opportunity. Uh, and there are some issues that have come up that we're going we're gonna to look further into. We had an oysterman there, uh, Sam Slavic, who brought up that while USDA recognizes oysters, uh, aquaculture, as a farming practice, uh, the IRS doesn't, and so when they go to file their taxes, um, they can't be. Didn't un- Bloomberg used to work at the IRS? No, oh, well, there was mention of uh, Mr. Bloomberg <laughs> and his simplistic farming practices, but uh, we've seen that uh, elections weren't as simple as, as farming, apparently, as he suspended his campaign. So, um, but it was a great meeting. Uh, it was a good dialogue, and we've already gotten some feedback from their office to. To work on some of these issues and get some help from USDA. Yeah, you can't dig a hole in water and drop an oyster seed in there. It just doesn't work that way, Mike. Uh, so, Joe, a lot of talk about relationships and hearing Andy talk about the relationships. How important is it that a farmer, a rancher, a rural resident has their legislator, their congressman on speed dial on their cell phone? Well, it's of the utmost importance. And I'm going to tell you a story that uh, just came back to memory recently. But when we began to represent Farm Bureau in 1986, we'd already been representing other associations and other companies for many years. And uh, I, was a much, I was a much younger man uh, when we began representing Farm Bureau. And uh, I sent some notes out on the House floor, you know, to talk, you know, about a particular issue. Joe Mapes from Farm Bureau and what the issue was. And after about five or ten of those, I ran back to talk to my father, Bud Mapes, who was in the corner, 
And I said, and he goes, I was all excited. He goes, what's going on? And I said, it's, it's the craziest thing. I send these notes out with Farm Bureau's name on them, and every one of those men and women immediately get up and rush to the back of the chamber to come talk to me. Now, that's such a surprise because that doesn't happen on other accounts, okay? The note will sit there on the desk. Maybe they'll come back in a half an hour. Maybe they won't come back, come back at all sometimes. So to tell you uh, that story is, is an example of though, though that didn't have that, that name, that respect that came organically to farm, that was transferred to me organically from Farm Bureau, that came from those relationships with legislators and constituents back home, you know, which segues me or brings me into what we've been doing recently, which is the legislative appreciation dinners. And so we, we were in Monroe, we were in uh, Lake Charles, uh, Broussard, Lafouche Parish, we were in, um, where else, Bossier, mm-hmm. okay, and we were out on rainy nights, uh, uh, weeknights, and we had crowds of 80 to 100 people with smiles on their faces. I keep telling the story about Brian Mitchell, 92 years old, coming out uh, with a, a Band-Aid on his head uh, in a wheelchair with a big smile on his face and his wife pushing him with a big smile on her face. I think we ought to create the Brian Mitchell Award, but he reminds me of your typical Farm Bureau member. They're passionate about their issues uh, that affect them and their families, and, and, and they get involved, okay? So they'll get in the truck and go see somebody. I think the key word there, I'm, I, I wish we had a sound effect because I'm about to give you the secret sauce of, of Farm Bureau lobbying that, that makes us different. Appreciation. That's what Joe just said, appreciation dinners. When we had uh, Deputy Secretary Sinsky in the room this week, it was a lot of thank yous. It wasn't just beating them over the head about what you're not doing. It's being thankful for something like the market facilitation program that's keeping farmers in business right now. That was an administrative decision through Secretary Purdue and folks like Mr. Sinsky. And so when we get them in the room, yeah, we got some things we want to work on and get better at, but uh, these are public servants that are, you know, stepping out of their jobs and businesses to to do uh, the good work of the people. And when they don't do right, we're going to let them know that too. But uh, we want to let the ones that are that are helping and working with us, uh, they're in they're in the public eye, they're in the business of PR just like we are, and, and we want to give them the positive uh, applause when they're doing right. So that's huge on what we do, and, and that's something our members, um, as farmers, as rural people, that are just good down-home folks that know yeah. how to say thank you, that's say right. yes, sir, no, sir. Um, you would be amazed when I'm in the halls of, of the Capitol People come in up there with coordinated outfits and cool pins on their jackets and all this strategy to make a big impact. We walk in there in suit and tie, maybe a tie, if if I can wrangle one on them. But uh, and a cowboy hat, if yeah, you're a cowboy Yerby. hat, some good shine boots, and uh, we say thank you, and then they invite us back, and then we build that relationship. So that's kind of what makes us different a lot of the time, and I think it's important to note that that. Uh, while we'll send you emails and send you requests to to get on these folks when we really need something done, the following email when they do get it done that says, hey, send them a note to say thank you is even more important than the note that says, hey, uh, let's, let's make a lot of noise about this issue. Legislators rarely get thanks. Um, I just want to say this before we close about this new legislative body coming in. We've met a lot of them, Sandy and Ronnie and Kyle and I have out on the road. And I got to tell you, it's a good group of men and women coming. Uh, a lot of uh, good energy, a lot of innovative ideas, and I think uh, positive energy because I think they want to 
make some uh, positive move changes forward in the state. So we're looking forward to that. And that's what we were doing at those dinners is, like Andy saying, developing those relationships. Well, and one uh, last note from me of somebody we need to say thank you to that was newsworthy this week is uh, we've heard officially that Congressman Dr. Ralph Abraham is going to be stepping down at the end of his term. Uh, he's holding to his word like he has through all of his promises uh, in D.C., but one of those was that he wanted to uh, put a self-imposed term limit on himself, and, and he's coming home. So there's been no bigger friend of agriculture than, than Dr. Abraham. We hate to lose him selfishly. We wish he would stay, but uh, hopefully more on this podcast as we move forward we can we can talk about him or maybe with him because he's a, he's a great friend of ours. Well, you know, it's, it's really tough to lose a guy who is a farmer, who is a vet, who's a rural doctor sitting on the House Ag Committee. That, I mean, that's so much knowledge and so much uh, experience that really feeds into what our members need, what our members know. I mean, he was Jim Monroe's mother's doctor. You know, what kind of you can't have a closer relationship to Farm Bureau than that. And so I think it's really important that we recognize what a what a good friend to us he was before he even took office and what a good friend he's been to us sure. in office. And I know, Carl, you you were trying to get piloting tips out of him. I, I, I still I think I'm going to make a uh, I'm going to do a story on him maybe after retirement where we go up and uh, maybe get, let him inter- let me, him let me interview him while we're flying around as he gives me a flight lesson well he's still flying back and forth and he's still at work and that's what we love about doc is when i was there last week with our rice farmers um that news had come out but his word to us was i'm still here to work we're going to get as much done as Mm -hmm. i'm in this seat as we can so as we go forward there's some things we're looking at just not just in rice but across commodities that we are going to try to make some moves on before he's uh, off the house ag committee because that's a important seat that we really don't need to lose well yeah. guys this has been really fun i and i enjoy this and i know this is just going to get better as we go on joe you're going to bring some guests in along the way can't wait uh i was on the phone with chairman uh kathy of the chairman of the ag committee in the senate this morning and he's agreed to come on on the 20th which is two weeks from today and uh, what i like about that is he will have been two weeks in as a freshman legislator into his first session so He'll be a little bit different of a person by then. He'll have a little bit more to tell. I can promise you have a little bit more stories to tell. It'll be fun to have him here. He's a, he's a, a great guy, and we really look forward to his leadership uh, as chairman of the Ag Committee. Well, on behalf of Carl Wiggers, Joe Mapes, and Andy Brown, I'm Avery Davidson. Remember, when it comes to government, you are the grassroots that feed it, and you are the voice.